0: Hello, Bill. Good morning, Matt. Welcome to the DMZ, everybody. Uh, So pre-Thanksgiving, Tuesday morning, a little earlier in the week than usual, but we missed last week, so we have
1: a lot to catch up on. That is right, Bill. And I should throw out my, uh, uh, just a heads up, I woke up this morning with a plan to do, you know, it's sort of like when you go on vacation. You end up doing all this work before you go on vacation, and Mm -hmm. I plan to do a whole bunch of stuff today uh, in preparation for taking a couple days off over the holiday, and uh, I woke up very congested, Uh, so I'm on a lot of drugs, so if I sound (laughs) crazier than normal, then we can just blame that. This is my time
0: to strike. This is the time for a takeover.
1: (laughs) Yes, this is your moment, Bill. No, we you ride it. You, we ride at dawn. But you got more dressed up than usual for me. This is my attempt to uh, to will myself into being <laughs> professional and energetic by looking looking my best. I will I will rise to the occasion and power through because uh, we need to give the fans what they want. Bill, uh, this is Thanksgiving week. Um, they're going to be maybe commuting. There might be a long drive to grandma's house. You're going to want to listen to Matt and Bill. Uh, maybe you've had enough of your crazy uncle and his, and his Trump politics at Thanksgiving. You want to duck out early. You need a a, a place of, of solace, a sanctuary. We could be that, Bill. And so I felt like uh, I could have taken today off like, uh, like you did last week. I, I could have done that. But uh, I said, no, I'm going to power through. Well, uh, I'm sad
0: that I took off last week because it delayed – uh, my victory lap <laughs> over the Arizona governor's race, which you, uh, you cruelly mocked me uh, on uh, Elon Musk's platform uh, for daring to predict a Katie Hobbs victory. you You accused me of the cruelest, uh, the cruelest insult you could uh, level to a pundit wish casting.
1: Well, I said, I think I prefaced it by saying Bill Sher is a very shrewd and astute political analyst. But in this case, <laughs> I think he's wish casting. And I really, I'm, I'm telling you, it, I, I, I really thought Kerry Lake was going to win. And this is, I think maybe I... I Maybe I underestimated Arizona, is what I did actually. But well, I really thought I really thought she was going to win. And I want to get I'm, let's just give credit where it's due, Bill. Um, when you made that prediction that Katie Hobbs was going to win, uh, I think that was a gutsy prediction. So kudos to you.
0: Well, thank you. And, and and to be fair, I wasn't saying this like take it to the bank, bet your house on it kind of prediction, but I I was. uh Following through on the logic I had for the rest of the midterms, which was that crazy was going to lose uh, in competitive places. Uh, and I understand uh, people say, OK, maybe that's true in a lot of places, but Katie Hobbs, oh, God, she's so terrible. She she can't, you know, get away, make it through an interview without, you know, awkwardly cl- clinging to her talking points. And she's ducking the debates and it's she seems so weak and Karolik is so polished. so. Sure, you know, maybe Joe Kent's gonna lose Washington three, maybe uh, uh, uh maybe uh Blake Masters can't win uh, the Senate race, but Kerry Lake's a different category. Uh and so I just I just didn't extend the I just didn't make an exception for
1: for crazy yeah. in this in this case. Well, I think part of my problem is as an analyst, I like look at the electorate and I say well, you were crazy enough to roll the dice for Donald Trump in 2016. Um, And like, so what are they? like? Is the electorate uh, uh, sensible and sane, or are they willing to roll the dice and do crazy things? And I don't think we've gotten a consistent answer to that. I think that they sort of waver, whereas my take would be consistent. And so- um I, I think maybe i was uh i think i again i think i underestimated the voters of arizona i i attributed to them the same thing that i when when they voted for trump in twenty sixteen
0: um
1: you know i uh i've
0: i've now, made, granted they
1: voted for biden narrowly in twenty twenty so maybe i should have maybe what? that should have been a sign
0: uh well that's, i think that's the important thing here i mean i Overestimated the electorate in 2016, Um, but not by much. You know, I mean, the the thing that I think has warped our analytical skills is that 2016 was a fluke. It was a fluky election. Donald Trump did not win the popular vote. He just barely won a few swing states, and we've extrapolated that to mean uh, voters are suckers. and you can't, I mean, look, obviously, Democrats can, can, can walk themselves to death. You, you, you're not going to win over voters with 10 point plans. Uh, and so, one of the weird ironies of Katie Hobbs is that, you know, as I, I, I wrote about this at the Washington Monthly, in the last week, when Kerry Lake's doing a rally with Steve Bannon and Blake Masters, Katie Hobbs is doing a housing policy roundtable with 10 other people and like literally no media in the room. This is like one week before election day. Yeah. Um, and so you could reasonably argue, okay, this, this Katie Hobbs person has no idea how to win an election. She's not even connecting yeah. with voters and Carrie Lake, you know, maybe Steve Bannon is Looney Tunes, but um, she's putting out some charisma. She's putting out some energy, She's getting people riled up and, uh, And so I'm not arguing you win elections with housing policy roundtables. Um, I think Katie Hobbs reasonably concluded, I'm not going to win a media war with Carrie Lake. That's not my strong suit. Why should I play on her turf? Uh, I need to have enough faith in the electorate that if it's a referendum on Carrie Lake and all of her crazy stuff, they're going to take the alternative, and I just got to stay out of the way.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and you and I, I mean, I think you and I both were were somewhat sympathetic of the decision not to debate, and mm-hmm. as you know, it's not a good thing, but it might have been the right move for her to not yeah. debate.
0: And I and I, I saw uh, just some guy on Twitter, not a huge name or anything, saying, you know, don't assume this means everybody can skip the debate. That this that the debate question has been answered. Um, I'm sorry about my but it's dog. not just Katie Hobbs. It was
1: John Fetterman. He debated, but it was largely seen as a very bad debate, and it it didn't stop him from winning. Well,
0: you could argue that means better to have a bad debate, but show up. Yeah. Show up and take your lumps. It shows that you're not scared. Uh but I, I would argue, I mean, look like at Tim you know, Tim Ryan had a good debate against JD Vance, you know, overperformed somewhat but still lost, you know, not not a terribly close race. Um, I thought Val Demings did a great job against Marco Rubio it meant absolutely nothing. Um, uh, I think to the average voter, I mean, we, let's, let's stop thinking like, like pundits, something like political junkies, normal people don't watch debates. Number one, you know, slight exemption for like a presidential debate, which has really has kind of high ratings, but even then it's not everybody, uh, and those numbers go down over the course of the, the the first, you know, after the first debate, the second and third tend to be less. Uh, and what does everybody say after one of these debates? God, that was so stupid. Oh, what a waste of time that was. Oh, god, it was just stupid talking points, bad questions, and cheap insults. Uh, I couldn't even I couldn't even make it through the whole thing. Very few people look forward to debates. Uh, so I mean, the argument that you have to show up is. The average voter thinks it is a requirement for the job. you got to pass this test for me to take you seriously as a candidate. But I think the available evidence is that voters just do not care and actively think of debates as a bad thing that wastes everybody's time. So they're not going to punish you for skipping. And if you're a campaign manager, campaign consultant, and you're saying, how do I use my candidate's precious time? Why should I waste all of that debate prep for an event that I share the spotlight with the other candidate? It's not even like a day of like great coverage for me. I mean, most coverage of debates is like candidate X said this and candidate Y said that. It's rarely clean victory one over the other. But sometimes someone really screws, screws it up, but that's rare. Um, So chances are it's going to be a wasted day for the campaign and wasted time preparing for that wasted day. Why not use that time to do stuff just for us with our events and our organizing and and creating our ads? I I think you're going to see much less debating going forward for logical reasons that average voters won't punish candidates for. Because, and I say this not happily, I like debates. Debates are fun for me because I'm weird. But objectively speaking, debates are not useful exercises for determining who is the better candidate.
1: Now, I wanted to go back to something you said earlier about how 2016 is now looking like the fluke. We've now had three subsequent elections where Trumpism has effectively been tried and, and failed at the ballot box, right? So, right. Um, but 2016 still. I think I've made this point before, Bill, but but bear with me. You know, in, in the NFL, uh, it happens all the time where a really good team will get beat by a bad team. You know, it's why they call it any given Sunday. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, if if a random team happens to beat the Bills or the Chiefs, a week later— that random team will probably lose to the commanders or something. You know what I mean? And so, so they have a week. They have a week of looking better than they are. of People saying, "Wow, is this team for real?" And then they play uh, and they lose. You know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so you get about a week. But in presidential politics, you get four years. And so Donald Trump, I think, won this fluky election. But he wasn't tested again, really, because midterms, presidents always lose midterms, Mm -hmm. their party. So really, it was four years of people, I think, falsely attributing uh, brilliant status to Donald Trump as a a political tactician. And I think it really uh, stuck. I'm not sure what to do about this, but I think it is a weird phenomenon whereby if you get lucky and happen to win a presidential race by virtue of luck, it's really hard for anyone to demonstrate that, um, because the next time there'll be a chance is four years later.
0: Well, and, and it's not even just the four years, because we have this election too. Now, of course, 2022 is uh not completely clean for analytical purposes. But we 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 know that Trumpism lost in the ballot in 2018, you know, clear disaster. 41 Democratic House flips taking over the House. Uh, 2020, uh, generally clear Trump loss, lose this lose the presidency, lose the Senate. You can say, well, we picked up a few House seats. You know, it wasn't all bad. Um, but you really can't treat that to Trumpism carrying the Democrats still kept the House. They still had an edge in the House popular vote. Now, 2022... We don't have all the votes counted because California is still trickling in. So I think that margin is going to reduce, but it does seem like not only will Republicans take the house that's already established by, by a narrow amount, but we'll also win the house popular vote. I think right now it's staying around three points. So it might narrow some. Uh, uh, Now they didn't take the Senate. Uh, They didn't win uh, any of the, Uh, competitive races with uh, open seats against them incumbents. Ron Johnson hung on just barely, just by a point. Uh, And we still have the Georgia runoff to play out, but I do think Warnock has the edge there.
1: Yeah. And let me just, well, let me just say that will be the next test in the bill versus Matt (laughs) prediction game. I I picked, I picked Herschel Walker (laughs) and you, I think you and I are tied, right? Um, Not so far, so far we've each gotten eight out of 10. Of our predictions correct i think the only one we're talking senate now i'm, I'm sorry and the u.s senate and the u.s senate so we're putting the gubernatorial thing aside and the u.s senate i believe the only one that you and i got wrong was nevada correct am i right i i, I uh fail to have proper confidence in the
0: read machine uh not to mention cortez masto's own campaign i, mean, I, I think she played the crazy card well um, She had uh, Republicans calling out Adam Laxalt for election denialism. Uh, I just thought Laxalt wasn't as obviously crazy as a Walker uh, or Blake Masters. I mean, you know, Oz isn't quite crazy, but just really lame. Um, uh, So I I thought, and just the, the polling Seem stronger, but of course, uh, as I I knew myself, because I pointed out previously, Democrats overperform overperformed Nevada polls pretty consistently. That's that's arguably yeah. read machine for you. Um, so uh, so so we blew that one, but we did
1: split on Georgia, right? So so as of now, we're eight for nine, mm-hmm. but we've got Georgia, right? And I picked Herschel Walker. And you picked Raphael Warnock. And you said we can't switch. We had to. We had to
0: hold our predictions in the runoff. We couldn't change it up.
1: Yeah, and I'm kind of. I mean, honestly, I I think I probably would switch now, but I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna dance with the one that brung me, even though. <laughs> even the, though David. What's, from, the, what's the
0: argument? Walker pulls this out.
1: I think. Okay. I think the argument that the so the argument that Walker pulls this out is one could argue. One could argue that because it matters less, it actually matters less. The Senate does not hang in the balance. So Georgia is full of Republicans and and, and there are Republicans who voted for Brian Kemp. And then they didn't vote at all for Senate. You know, maybe they they left that blank and now they get to vote for their party. But it's not going to flip control of the Senate. So the consequences. That would be the argument. But I could see it going the other way too, Bill. I mm-hmm. could see the fact that um, I think you could just as easily make the argument that uh, they might have held their nose and voted for Herschel Walker in order to give Mitch McConnell the gavel. But now that it doesn't matter, these Republicans will feel uh, that they can not vote their conscience and, and maybe not even show up. What do you yeah, think?
0: I, I think? I think the latter. I mean, I, I think you... Uh, there's an argument that, you know, partisans will be partisans. They'll vote for a candidate with bad character or bad intelligence just because of the letter next to their name, which is not an unreasonable calculation to make, quite frankly. Um, so uh, I guess the Republicans show up saying, I need Republicans to take the Senate, stop Biden from putting more judges on the judiciary. I don't care if Hershel Walker is the biggest moron on the planet or the biggest hypocrite on the planet. Uh, now, that's not at stake. Yeah. Uh, so I think that motivation for Republicans to show up for a objective train wreck of a candidate, uh,
1: that motivation's off the table. I tend to think you're right. Um, but I'm not going to, you know, so I guess, I guess I would say if I were picking today, I would probably go Warnock, but I'm not going to do that. Not gonna, (laughs) not going to do it. Uh, I'm sticking, you know, I'm going to stick with Herschel Walker just out of, uh, Stubborn honor, I guess, but 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 I as of today, I'm I, I would flip if I if I'd given myself leeway to flip flop, I probably would flip flop. Uh, so now to- I'm screwed either way, right? <laughs> no, I, I'm now I'm now in a no win position. <laughs> That's okay. Do you hear Do you hear me? Okay, by the way,
0: I realize I have my microphone, in a am not sure my microphone's even properly plugged in. Um, there we go. If I if I sound better now, I Before I apologize. Um,
1: but I should have been okay, I think. Yeah, you're good. Um Uh, by the way, I'm I'm using a new microphone, Bill. Um, I couldn't get uh Apple did some update, and then my my blue Yeti, which was working perfectly fine, wouldn't even be recognized by uh by my computer. And so after a couple of weeks of of going without a mic, just uh, freestyling, mm -hmm. um I am now using a new mic. So good Lord willing, it'll sound okay.
0: Okay. Uh, so let's talk back to Arizona though. So what do you think about how Carrie Lake is behaving? You know, most candidates, most Republican candidates, most even Trumpy Republican candidates were conceding their elections and not charging fraud. Carrie Lake is the exception. Uh, I mean, she basically, she practic- ele- did election denial- denialism was practically a platform plank for her. Uh, and Uh, you know, Dr. Longo, she was saying, I'm going to win the election. I will, I will accept that result. Uh, but in the, you know, I think even just, just before election, I think she was starting to plant some seeds of doubt in the, the veracity of, of the election apparatus. And now she's leaned in, you know, completely going to Mar-a-Lago, um, uh, hugging Trump. Uh, do you think she has a, a plan here?
1: Yeah, I think that this is probably, if, if you're just an ambitious person who doesn't care about the country, doesn't care about truth, uh, this is probably the right career move. Um, I think that she can be a podcaster or a Fox News host or whatever. I, I think that that she now, and, and she still could potentially kind of inherit the the MAGA fan base from Trump at some point. So um, and maybe even be his vice president, despite the fact that she wouldn't, you know, won't be the governor. Who knows? Donald Trump obviously didn't have any experience, um, so I, I get what she's doing. It's it's despicable, but, but I'm it, not surprised. Is is it a media play? I want to get a, a TV show out of this. I think I think so, or, or a podcast, it... or a YouTube channel, or whatever. I mean, I you know, it doesn't even have to be Fox News. But although I could, I don't know if you saw Saturday Night Live a couple of weeks ago, but mm-hmm. they did a really good cold or- open. Um, with her with the, the Vaseline, you know, right. screen, and then, and, soft lens or whatever it's called. Right. And, um, and then at the end, it, it was like Fox and Friends. And at the end, she showed up on the curvy couch. Next to Steve Ducey and calling it Carrie and friends, <laughs> so it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. But it's a,
0: is it that, or is it actually thinking I could be Trump's VP? Is it just political, or is it media? I, I mean, I
1: think it could be either. I just think it's a an amb- a personal. It's a it's a personal ambition play mm-hmm. based on her career. It's a career move rather than a, um, you know, what is the right thing for the country mm-hmm. or for Arizona move. So oh, I think, I think sorry, it yeah. makes sense in in the context of of a career move um bill while we're talking um while we're talking vice presidents you know there's this um republican presidential race that is sort of (laughs) sort of a shadow campaign for president and i don't know if you know saw but mike pence is out with a book and he's been on uh different different programs and um i'm finding him really annoying I have to say, Now, I know you think I should be on the Mike Pence bandwagon. And I, yeah. You think that Mike Pence has a shot, but his talking points—it's—it's it's like I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, someone on Twitter said that his message is basically like, "Sure, Donald Trump tried to kill me, but other than that, you know, uh, I, it, it just—it's a—it's a, it's a weird—it's a weird message." What do you think of it? Well, he's got to walk a very, very fine line, and I—and if. I'm
0: not, I'm not trying to dodge your question, but I do, I do want to tie us back to what we're getting at before and trying to analyze what happened in 2020. Because um, you could say, even though Democrats did better than usual with the House midterm wise and kept the Senate, uh, and the Trump candidates were the reason why Republicans performed below expectations, you could Try to say, well, look, Republicans still took the House. Republicans still won the House popular vote. And look at Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis won going away. So he is he's he, he is Trump like in his pugni- in his pugnacity. Uh, so we don't need an overhaul of our agenda and persona. We just need maybe to. Uh, I, I, I mean you could take that and say Trump can still do this or we can do this but just without Trump or without the 2020 focus. Um uh, we and the, the the third analysis is we really screwed this up and we need to, you know, clean slate it and, and be adults again which argues for a Pence or a Yunkin uh type uh and uh I mean Pence obviously has a very difficult line to walk because he he can't Wash his hands of the four years, but he's trying to say I'm an adult and Trump isn't. I believe in democracy and Trump doesn't. Uh, so I don't think it is. I don't think awkward's the right word. I I think it is logically coherent to say I like all these
1: policies. I like except except for the time that they tried to overthrow the government. Yeah, that's and kill me. Yeah, and- but I,
0: I like the immigration. I like. Mm-hmm. The, oh, I, I like the Joy down judges. I like the overturned Roe v. Wade. I like the tax cuts. Um, where I think it is hard, where, where I think it's actually hardest for Pence is not the, he tried to kill me because I think he could say, I don't like that he tried to kill me at the end. I had no idea- But I'd, still, first- vote, but
1: I'd still vote for him if <laughs> well, he's the nominee. He kind of duck that, right? I don't think he said that flat out. I, I think what Pence needs to say is, I like our policies, but Donald Trump is not fit to be president. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the character. He doesn't respect the constitution. I would never vote for him again. Uh, he tried to kill me. He tried to overthrow the election. Um, but I, yeah, I think I, I love conservative judges and I like tax cuts.
0: But I think there is a Republican constituency that Penn, that Pence represents. There is a soft Trump vote. There's there's a Republican vote that says, I really don't like Trump as a human being. I don't like January 6th. But boy, do I sure hate Nancy Pelosi. Man, do I hate Ocasio-Cortez. I can't have those dumb nuts right in the government. Um, so I, I, I think he represents a faction of the party in doing that. Uh, yeah. Where I think it's hardest for... Pence is defending Trump's foreign policy because Pence is not a Putinite. Pence is a Reaganite, and I'm sure it. I'm sure he never liked what Trump did in regards to Russia, but he couldn't come out and say it. So that's the one area where I think he is genuinely hypocritical. uh, Perhaps reasonably politically speaking, but you can call him on that and he will he will look awkward and hypocritical trying to answer questions on that because he, he will not have a good answer for it.
1: I think all of these people, like, did you see this? Mike Pompeo, I saw this on Morning Joe. Apparently, you know, they asked him, who's the most dangerous person in the world? And he oh, said, like, the head of the teachers union. Right,
0: Randy Weingarten. Which, right. Which Randy Weingarten is not all that thrilled about. Uh, saying I don't know if the truth is ridiculous or dangerous. I mean, he's basically... Saying this actual human being is the worst person in the world, um, and we knew we do there are people out there that will take those kinds of things a little too literally and, yeah. and act on them.
1: But it's also just a weird thing. Like w- they feel the need, like we're going to distance from Trump, but we have to say our own crazy thing. Mm-hmm. I look. I think Mike Pence is 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 misplaying it. You know, he has managed to alienate everybody. I think he's a joke. And the Trump people are never going to support him. The Trump people hate him. They think he's a traitor. They think he's a sellout. And then the people like me, we think he's just bullshitting us. He can't, he's not talking straight. He's basically doing a Ronald Reagan impersonation. Look, I could show you my poster. I love Reagan more than the next guy. But Mike Pence is essentially impersonating like a caricature of what he thinks Reagan would say. It's so inauthentic. I think it's incredibly lame and um I think it's I think it's a shame well what we
0: what we don't know, and we can't know at this juncture, is what does a trump DeSantis cage match do to the electorate, not to mention what it do to those two candidates um they you you can see when you know Trump takes a swipe at DeSantis that there's this cry that comes out, you know, mommy, daddy, don't fight. We, we love you both. We don't want to see you do this to each other. Um, but that can't sustain. And Trump kind of backed off a little bit, but that can't sustain. If they're both running for the prize, they're both going to tear each other to pieces.
1: Um, well, it's not just them. I mean, we have a potential bill for a repeat of 2016 where you have 10, 15 candidates running, Nikki Haley runs, uh, uh, Larry Hogan runs, Asa Hutchinson runs, Mike Pence runs, Glenn Youngkin runs, Ron DeSantis runs, and Trump could end up winning with 30% or something. Well, I mean,
0: anybody could win with 30 plus percent, depending on how the vote gets sliced and diced. Uh,
1: I mean- But Trump Trump has the most loyal 30% that are unmovable. Nobody else has a base that strong, presumably- You know, I I don't. We don't know how broad
0: the Trump base is when met with the force of DeSantis. It it may well be that Trump's base is the most loyal and Ron DeSantis is insufficient to the task of 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 cutting it down to size. Um, But we can't we can't gauge that with poll numbers today. Poll numbers are very, very flimsy this far out. Uh, And the battle hasn't really been joined yet. Uh, So uh, if I'm a Pence or a Yunkin or a Chris Christie or a Christie gnome or a Chris Sununu, uh, I mean, there's all sorts of people that can get into this. Um, uh, We don't know if there's going to be an opening for them after Trump and DeSantis find each other's weak spots and hammer it mercilessly. Uh, So. I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong about Pence. I mean, not, you, you, it would be a long shot to say Pence would be the nominee at this point. And I would probably, you know, my gut would probably be more partial to a Yunkin trying to pull it off than, than a Pence. Yeah. Because uh, he's got less baggage. Uh, but there's just way too many unknowns at this point because this is not going to play out the way any other Republican primary has played out. We've, we've never had a defeated president. In a primary yeah. in modern times. We never had that person's VP also running at the same time. We've never had uh, a, a swing state governor who doesn't govern like a swing state politician uh, and wins going away, but yet in uh, in contrary fashion to almost every other race on the map. So again, the the logical conclusion is don't be crazy. Um, Ron DeSantis says, wait a second, maybe you can be maybe you can be kind of crazy. Um, you talk about my, my dog is ruining her dog bed. So I gotta, That's I gotta, all right. That well, property. I don't think
1: Ron DeSantis is crazy crazy. Um I think Ron DeSantis, the benefit is that he's he's competent, he's serious, um, but he's very conservative. And so, you know. I don't, I don't think he's, he doesn't do chaos. I think he actually, the argument would be that he's a conservative who actually accomplishes stuff and gets things done. And, you know, Ron DeSantis may be more conservative and and may be tackling culture war stuff, but I don't think, you know, I I think it's, it's more calculated. I think he's calculating and competent. And so if you're a conservative who actually wants to get things done, I think that's the contrast with Trump.
0: I think you are starting down the path
1: of making yourself comfortable with Ron DeSantis. Well, I would say a couple things. One is I, I, I would love, I would love to be able to be, to vote Republican again. And to be, I would love to be able to be part, back part of like the conservative movement and the Republican party. Um, that that I, I cop to that, and and I think there's a lot of people that probably have that 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 desire. I also think it's justifiable to support DeSantis as the only person who can beat Trump, uh, and and I think that very well may be a a plausible calculation that DeSantis is the only way to stop Trump, at least in the Republican Party. Um, I think the problem I have, or one one concern is that. If if Ron DeSantis gets in the race, if he musters the courage to get in the race, and if Ron DeSantis actually beats Donald Trump, then what? Because Donald Trump ain't going to go away. In fact, Donald Trump will probably try to sabotage and destroy Ron DeSantis and keep him from actually winning the general election, and he could presumably do it. There's got to be a pretty good chunk of, the, of Donald Trump's 30% base that would not vote if, if if Trump says don't vote for DeSantis, that they won't. And so well and Trump could even run third party, which he kind of threatened to do. He could do that, too. Days. But like is this a suicide mission for Ron DeSantis?
0: I mean, obviously, he can't proceed on the basis that Trump will let me have this. He has to do his best to uh, outmuscle him. Uh, but I, I think the argument, but, to, but to your larger, to your larger moral argument, I think a vote for DeSantis to stop Trump only is morally justifiable if if DeSantis is not similarly authoritarian. Um, yeah. Which, which, I, my inclination is that he, he is similarly authoritarian. Uh, obviously, your mileage may, may, may vary. I'm sorry that my dog cannot shut up.
1: Um, uh, but do you think that, like, if Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis has been in Congress, he's a sort of a normal Republican congressman. He was in Congress before Donald Trump came down the escalator. Um, Do you think that he's some... So I guess the theory would be he's always had some authoritarian tendencies, but he saw what Trump did, how Trump was able to really push the limits on our institutions. And so DeSantis in the past might have been a normal Republican, but now because Trump has sort of opened his eyes would become a real threat to liberal democracy. Like, is that sort of the theory?
0: I mean, I'm, I'm judging him based on his more recent actions than his past actions. You know, the fact that he was a humdrum backbencher, uh, house member before is relevant to me. Uh, you know, he has done things as governor of Florida that really stretched the bounds of, uh, his executive power. Uh, uh, that may only get upheld because he stacked the, the judiciary to let him yeah. do it.
1: Um, but I mean, no, we've I, had presidents before. I mean, Richard Nixon was obviously Im- impeached, but um, Lyndon Johnson. Um, there have been plenty of presidents before who played hardball and who used the power of government to try to, as best they could, to to enforce, to push their their will. Like, like I think Chris Christie has this in him. He wasn't president, but. But that's different than trying to overthrow an election, trying to be incite a coup, and right. denying the election. And so, is it just the case that yeah, Ron DeSantis is more—he's a jerk. He's not my cup of tea necessarily, um, but he's going to govern within the bounds of acceptability of uh, Lyndon Johnson, let's say. Uh,
0: I just don't—I don't have that faith. Um, I mean, the fact that he fired a elected DA because he didn't like the policy choices the DA was making, that that to me is a very troubling sign. Um uh and uh, you know, I you know he hasn't done the same election denialism business because he's won his elections. <laughs> um, so I don't know what he would do if he actually lost, if he would accept defeat and move on, or if he would play the Trump card and uh you know, foment more insurrection. But the fact that he has used executive power in a an inhuman, punitive way, uh, that is troubling to me.
1: Um but what if I guess I would just come back to um what if the only way to stop Donald Trump because here's the deal if Trump wins a Republican nomination, he might go up against 81-year-old Joe Biden who trips and falls on on camera the week before the election just as a recession hits. And then Donald Trump becomes president again. So once you win the nomination, you could, you're in the game. You could become president. Trump could become president again. Now, I know Democrats may think uh, that they may wish that Trump's the nominee again, that they can run against him. Uh, I, I don't want to take that chance. So under, if the assumption is that the only way to stop Trump from becoming the nominee is to go to DeSantis, isn't is that like the lesser of two evils? I guess.
0: Well, I mean, you you gotta draw your own line. If your line is election denialism, I, I honestly, I, I've not gone back through the DeSantis record to recall if he has said 2020 was rigged or whatnot. Um,
1: I have to go back and check. I, I mean, don't he think looked, he would have put it that way. He may have. Said something about it that is not great. I don't right. know. Um, but you may have a line
0: and you say, you know what, DeSantis has not crossed that specific line. And uh, I'm going to accept a whole lot of unseemly behavior for my larger policy goals. We all make, you know, when we when we have a binary choice in election, we all do this to
1: some degree. Uh, no, I'm not even talking about a general election right now, though, Bill. Remember, I voted in the Democratic primary. To stop Bernie Sanders, I voted for Joe Biden in the primary. I didn't vote for him in the, in the presidential. Right. Um, this would be a similar thing. Stop Trump. Is that a a noble pursuit to stop Donald well, yeah. Trump? Because as as David Frum said, you know, now the Velociraptors know how to work the doorknobs. If Trump gets to be president again, he's potentially going to be even more dangerous than he was last time.
0: I mean, for, from my vantage point, you know. Is the that, is that dinosaur DeSantis is the person who will who will be sharper and more deaf with the levers of power than trump would uh with a similar uh undemocratic bent uh so i don't see him as 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 an upgrade uh, but again you might if you may set your standards differently uh i would uh so first you have to make a decision is there differentiation between these two people in terms of their basic acceptance of democratic norms. Uh and if you think there's a difference, then fine, go with DeSantis. If you think, you know what, DeSantis probably would be just as bad. You're gonna have 10 other choices. You don't, you don't have to make, you don't have to make that compromise that 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 you don't have to face that dilemma just yet in this process because maybe yeah. one of these other
1: candidates gets ahead of Steve, and starts pulling 20, 25% and has a real shot at it. I'm not optimistic about that, but if it happens uh, if Glenn Youngkin has a shot, then I will probably be out knocking doors or something. I don't know. Now, one we'll thing see. we should talk about
0: before we we wrap up: you had a, you to call him out, the Daily Beast, yes. saying that you know it's not Democrats in disarray; Dems are in array, and Republicans. Yeah, I don't know. We we have, we haven't come up with a great term for Republicans in disarray yet. Um, uh, do you? So, number one, are there things that Republicans should learn from House Democrats uh, to be more effective. And two, is there any shot of them actually learning those lessons in short order in time for this Republican caucus to govern in a remotely responsible way?
1: No, oh, no, they they can't be taught. They're, they're not teachable. They don't want to learn. But yeah, there are lessons. These are leadership lessons. I mean, I think that Nancy, you know, uh, d- Peter Drucker said, Uh, without a successor, there is no success. These are leadership lessons. And I think Nancy Pelosi, you know, she probably stuck, well, you you could argue she stuck around a little bit long, but she's now passing the baton to a new generation and doing it in, I think, a very orderly succession plan. And she went out on her own terms, I would argue. Nobody really goes out on their own terms, but she went out on top uh, with her head held high um, and I think that this, no, who knows? Maybe it'll become a shit show later. But for now, it, it looks to be a very orderly uh, transition where she is going to be able to promote Hakeem Jeffries, who is a um, more of a Nancy Pelosi Democrat than an AOC Democrat. And the, compare it to the Republican Party where they just tried 10 Republican senators just voted against Mitch McConnell. You've got Uh, Kevin McCarthy, who we don't even know if he's going to become the speaker, but if he does become the speaker, he's going to be beholden to Marjorie Taylor Greene and all that that entails. It's going to be chaos in the Republican side. And meanwhile, the Democrats, at least for now, look like they're um, maybe not military precision, Bill, but uh, they're looking professional. They're looking sharp. And even if you don't like their ideology, like I don't, you have to respect that they seem more sane, they seem more put together, they seem more, dare say, professional. Yeah, I've, I had a piece up at Politico
0: over the weekend, you know, where I teased out uh, Pelosi's five roles for uh, for leading the House. Uh, and I, I, I won't bother you with all th- five of them here you can go read the article. Um, but I think you can look at Pelosi's, you know, she led the Democrats for 20 years. Uh, so number one, just the longevity itself is a sign of democratic, Stability. I mean, if if they were in disarray, it would be more of a Game of Thrones deal, and it really, really wasn't. On the Republican side, you've had multiple leaders over the course of that of, the, of that period, um, and there's no real bad year. Here's here's the year where Pelosi really blew it. I mean, obviously, there's years that she you know she lost the gavel in in uh, in, in, in twenty in twenty ten, um, but you wouldn't really blame Pelosi for a relatively normal uh, midterm swing.
1: Well, especially when you consider that part of the reason that she lost the gavel is that she delivered on Obamacare. Right. A major, uh, overhaul. Mm-hmm. And so that was, uh, I think to be expected
0: well, so losing the battle to win the war. I mean, she, uh, it, it's not, uh, it's not, a. uh, undefeated streak you know for you know she got cap and trade passed but it fell down in the in the senate um and you know some people say well she put her members in awkward position voting for something that wasn't guaranteed to make it through the senate you know so that you might say that's a demerit um but you wouldn't say that the entire tenure was worthless because she put points on the board that stayed on the board um not just obamacare but also getting a stimulus pass getting um uh wall street reform uh so uh you know her her win-loss record i think is very high uh it didn't it didn't sputter out at the end i mean i i think uh i don't i don't love the whole infrastructure kabuki dance that went on uh but she did uh change tack and lean on the progressives. Hey, suck it up and pass the infrastructure bill at the end of the day. So the whole yeah. thing it took longer than it should have, but that's not wholly her fault. Biden what, plays the largest role in, in that in that mistake, in my opinion. Uh, so uh, I, I, I think she wa- is one of the most effective speakers of all time, possibly the most. I, mean, I haven't gone back and really you know done a uh, list of it. Whereas you look at the Republican side, you know John Boehner had to quit. He
1: had to quit the house. Predicted here, by the way. Right here, Bill. <laughs> this is right. where it was predicted right. that he would be resigning before That's right. anywhere
0: else. That is correct. Matt Lewis had that one. I had that, that. Almost makes up for your Carol pr- prediction. prediction.
1: Um, <laughs> almost.
0: Um, like, he could not keep the government open without quitting and getting that bill passed with pr- primarily Democratic votes. Like, that is how... Untenable it is to lead a, a Republican caucus, and in, in Boehner's case, with a broader majority. Now, whoever is Speaker now, and maybe it's not going to be McCarthy, has to do the basics: keep the government open, you know, raise the debt limit so we don't default on the debt, uh, and be willing to put those bills on the floor, even if Republicans are not fully behind them, so they can pass it with Democratic votes, which would risk your own speakership. And I don't even, I mean, I mean, Boehner, in my opinion, is hardly the the greatest profile in courage. If, if he put immigration reform on the table, if he took the Senate Immigration Compromise and put that on the floor, and let that pass, then I would say he was a profile in courage. He didn't have the spine to do that. He at least had the decency to recognize, I got to keep the government open <laughs> in some way or else I can't live with myself. And he did that much. Uh, and I don't know if Republicans are going to put up a speaker who you can count on, doing that and if they can't i mean one if they can't keep the government open they're going to look like morons i mean if if the if the lesson of 2022 is don't nominate crazy uh i think the 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 evidence over several several years now is if you shut down the government you're crazy and voters don't like
1: it um i just I, i just had uh bruce melman on the podcast and he said the big themes. He he does this quarterly report, and uh, he, he said the big themes from the midterms were candidate quality and stability. Voters wanted stability, and if those are the two things, not good news for Republicans right now.
0: I mean, I I said you know before you know, what drove my predictions of this, which is the midterms are balance elections, not referendums, uh, and typically you take a chunk out of the governing party for balance purposes. But if, you are, if you're the opposition party and you seem
1: unbalanced, then that
0: doesn't work. <laughs> uh, and I think they obviously lost a lot of races where they were putting up unbalanced candidates. Yes, right? un- I
1: like that, unbalanced. <laughs> That's, uh, Roy Teixeira said on Jonah Goldberg's podcast that the election was about one party was out of touch, the other party was out of their minds.
0: <laughs> know, I guess I, out of touch... Well to share it's been hitting the point hard that Democrats are uh out of the mainstream on culture issues especially crime uh and he had a point uh Democrats in the exit poll uh, voters vastly prefer Republicans over Democrats in terms of crime uh strong Patrick Maloney said we got killed in the New York suburbs Westchester rockland uh uh duchess long island um because uh the combination of fox news and the new york post scared the bejesus out of suburbanites uh when it came to uh when it came to crime uh and you know oregon democrats struggled they they survived on the governor's race uh they couldn't pick they, they they lost oregon five i think just oregon five forgive me if there's another one in there um and arguably, crime concerns with Portland, you know, fit into that. And Mandela Barnes, I think, uh, blew a winnable race. I mean, he ended up overperforming the polls. Uh, he only lost by one point, uh, but I think a candidate who wasn't uh, hit hard on crime as he was uh, could have beat Ron Johnson, who was a weak candidate, weak can Uh, So there are things that Democrats have to worry about there. Uh, but why might part with? Uh, uh to Shara is I don't think Democrats by and large on their actual policies are that far left on crime. Uh, they voted to fund the police in in, in this in this Congress. Joe Biden's not to fund the police or many yeah. congressional candidates. I agree.
1: And, and and I think there's a huge contrast between the perception of Democrats based on what the left says or academia or Twitter versus the politicians. And I just thought that the perception was going to win out, that perception mattered more. And that was maybe a miscalculation on my well, part. But it depended well. on the race. I mean, and I haven't had the opportunity to go through
0: every single House race ad campaign, but I know just anecdotally, some candidates literally had ads, Democrats saying, I reject the funding of the police. I want to fund the police. I know John Fetterman, you know, John Fetterman, arguably the guy who had a similar record to Mandela Barnes in terms of uh, supporting parole of, you know, you know, people with with felony records, uh, and giving giving people second chances, uh, that 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 kind of thing. Uh Fettman was able to leaven that by saying, Hey, I was mayor of Braddock and uh I work with the police and we stopped violent crime. I got the tattoos of the people murdered in my city on my arm. I carry that with me.
1: Um But do you think race do you think race might have had something to do with that too, though?
0: I mean, I think the Wisconsin Republicans had race baiting ads, uh, but uh, we we know that other African American Democrats have faced race baiting ads and overcome them. You know, Barack Obama overcame it, Antonio Delgado,
1: Lauren Underwood. Uh, there are ways to uh, no, but what I'm saying it's not just race, but it's it's when the issue is crime and you have a candidate who is vulnerable on that based on things he said. And he's black. That's a combination. Is that harder to overcome than if you're John Fetterman, for example?
0: Well, Sean Patrick Maloney's pretty white, <laughs> pretty darn white, uh, and lost in you know the Hudson Valley. Uh, I mean, he was being hit because when he ran for attorney general, he said he was against cash bail. Uh, that was the one thing I think they really had on Maloney, like something that came out of his mouth. So it wasn't just a vague Democrats bad thing, uh, and I'm, I'm sure. Maloney regrets taking that position. Uh, he might have taken it out of expediency and to win that primary, because uh, he's generally a pretty moderate guy. Uh, you can defend the end of cash bail uh, on the grounds that we should be judging uh, these decisions based on their threat to the community, not based on how much money there is in their pocket. But it was very easy to spin that as these people want to let criminals out. Uh, so I, I think it was you know, Mandela Barnes said things that were. Usable fodder, without the same kind of mitigating aspects that Fetterman had. Fetterman had mitigating aspects in his record that he played very, very hard and very, very effectively. Uh, So I I think Democrat, most Democrats are able to say, and are comfortable saying, "I want to fund the police," and if they do that very pointedly, they can. You know, Stan Greenberg, Democratic pollster, had a piece in the American Prospect where he tested a bunch of messages. And he basically the strongest messages is there are only five Democrats that wanted to fund the police in the House. And I reject their position wholly. Like he, if you actively punch them in the face, that's the best message you could have. Uh, and no Democrat went you know, quite that far. But saying I reject the fund of the police is pretty, pretty close. <clears throat> and I think more and more Democrats are going to be more comfortable doing that, seeing what worked in this election.
1: All right. Well, um, with that, it's time for me to go take another day quill. Um, but I do want to say again, publicly kudos to you for the Katie Hobbs hmm. pick. Uh, you were right. I was wrong. Oh, yeah. You were not wish casting. <laughs> you are great. Uh, go Australian rules, football, uh, eat donuts and go bowling. <laughs> I, don't know.
0: I appreciate that, sir. And, and kudos to you on your John Banner call. We should never forget. Um, <laughs> not that- How on the mark that was. Um, And uh, we'll talk uh, next week. All right. See you back here on the DMZ. Have a good one, Bill. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Remember, I'll I'll repost my Twitter thread, how to watch WKRP's turkey drop properly. I wait for it every year, Bill. (laughs) See you, man. Take care.